0: Talking about videos, a few weeks ago we had uh, the joy of meeting this lady on video and here she is in the real flesh. Mm-hmm. Helen, you are very welcome from Japan. You. You're only here for a very, very short time. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about the time that you're home and why you're here.
1: Um, well, I'm just home for a three week visit in the UK and I've just got one more week left in Northern Ireland and then off to England for a week and leave on the 15th back to Japan um i'm here today to see all of you um because i'm here i was asked to speak at life builders so i have to do a bit of work um yeah
0: so half past 12 here in yeah. the building after tea and coffee we look forward to that very very much indeed helen it's yeah. a delight to see you thank you will you
1: open to us god's word i will Okay, today's Bible reading is Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 35. Luke 14, verses 25 to 35, and that's page 1048 in the Pew Bibles. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me, and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? for if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is God's word.
0: This morning we're continuing our series on the parables of Jesus, which are found specifically in Luke's gospel. Uh, Last week, Sam was helping us think about the invitation to God's banquet and the excuses which people made why I cannot come. And this week, we come to the section immediately following that teaching, Luke chapter 14, 25 through to the end, which can be found on page 1048 in our Pew Bibles. Just as we come to that, may I lead you please in prayer. Gracious Lord, we have ears, but generally we filter what we're prepared to listen to. We have ears, but most of the time we choose what we want to hear. As we turn now to your word, please will you therefore grant us the Holy Spirit so that he will unstop our deaf ears and enable us to submit to your authority and respond to the clear teaching of the Lord Jesus. And what we ask is for his glory. Amen. Well, in verse 25 of chapter 14, we see that large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Every rabbi likes to have large crowds traveling with him. Every blogger likes to have a huge number of likes. And every church leader likes to have a full congregation. And we're not surprised when here in Luke chapter 14 we read that a great many people were following Jesus. But we are surprised when we then see in verse 26 what Jesus says to them. Turning to the crowds, Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. And just in case you haven't got the point, anyone who does not carry his cross, verse 27, and follow me, cannot be my disciple. And by the way, verse 33, simply to make this point absolutely And totally clear anyone who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Now, what on earth is going on here? Imagine a politician appealing to his or her constituents if you're going to vote for me, you're going to vote to lose your homes and your families. If you place your ex beside my name, you're asking for higher taxes and lower wages. So come on, give me your support. Who is on my side? And that person wouldn't be given the time of day. They would be dismissed as a nutcase. Except on the other hand, imagine the nation at a moment of unparalleled danger. As was the case this very month, 78 years ago. Winston Churchill had replaced Neville Chamberlain, who up until then had pursued the futile policy of appeasement of Hitler's Nazi regime. And in 1940, the newly appointed Prime Minister got up in the House of Commons and said, we are in the preliminary stages of one of the greatest battles in history. We are in action at many points in Norway and in Holland. We have to be prepared in the Mediterranean. The air battle is continuous and many preparations have to be made here at home. I would say to the house, as I said to those who have joined this government, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and of suffering. You ask what is our policy? I will say it is to wage war by sea, land, and air. With all our might and all the strength that God can give us, we wage war against a mutinous tyranny never surpassed in the dark, And lamentable catalogue of human crime. And in that context of extremity, while the people did not like what Churchill had to say, recognizing the veracity and seriousness of the things he was talking about, the people nonetheless rallied around and followed his honest and fearless leadership Now, clearly in verse 25, many, many people find traveling with Jesus attractive. But Jesus wants the people to know that being found in company with Jesus is not the same as discipleship of Jesus. And so he addresses the people and speaks to them bluntly and plainly. If anybody comes after me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Surely, you say, Jesus doesn't mean that literally, taking up your cross and following me. And you're right. Jesus doesn't want us to take these words literally. He doesn't literally want us to hate our family what he has got to say is much more serious than that. In this teaching, Jesus is making a statement of life and death significance. Jesus is going far, far deeper than literally. He's talking about the tremendous cost of discipleship and what it means for people who own the name of Jesus to put him first. If you're going to follow me, says Christ, The implications will be radical. They will be huge. And please know this, if taken seriously, they may well end your comfort, your popularity, and security. Today, Charlie has been baptized. Stuart and Felicity have done a brave thing. As a believing couple, they have asked for and received the mark and the claim of Christ upon their little boy's life. In other parts of the world, that is tantamount to a death sentence. It is an act of defiance against every other Lord that would claim the affection of our hearts. It is a statement of discipleship as bold as the words of Joshua in Joshua 24 verse 15, who said to the crowds of people, who took possession of Canaan. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord everyone serves some Lord. You do know that, don't you? It's either the Lord God or some other Lord of our choosing. Now, in order to illustrate the importance of what he wants to communicate, Jesus then goes on to use three parables, which we find highlighted in verse 28 through to the end of Luke 14. And the first one is this, suppose you want to build new halls here at church. Will a committee not first sit down and evaluate the cost to see if the congregation has enough resources and money or means to complete the project? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everybody from the community will ridicule this congregation and say, that church began to build and they weren't able to finish Or suppose the supreme leader of North Korea is wanting uh, to assert himself as the undisputed leader in the Far East? Will he not first sit down with his closest advisors and consider whether his missiles and nuclear development program, uh, he's able to oppose the even mightier United States of America with its vast arsenal of nuclear weapons? If he is able... He will send a delegation to Washington when all is still okay and ask for a summit to meet with the president and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, says Jesus, anyone who does not count the cost cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, he says in verse 34, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure heap. It is thrown out. If salt ceases to be salty, when impurities get mixed up with it, it's no use either for the purpose for which it has been created or for anything else for that matter. So don't just say, I'm in, and then regret that decision when things get tough. Following Jesus is far more than social convention. It may, in fact, cost your life. So that is Jesus' teaching. It's blunt, it's plain, and it's clear. But what I wonder might its implications be for you and for me this morning here in Bloomfield Presbyterian Church? Well, let me draw out a number of applications, if I may, and uh, there are four in all. Point number one is this discipleship of Jesus is not something we drift into, it is something we choose to do. Who can be a disciple? Not once, but three times, Jesus tells us who can't be a disciple. Those who can't be Jesus' disciples are someone who loves anything or anyone more than him, verse 26. Someone who refuses to carry his cross and follow Jesus, verse 27. Or someone who will not give up everything he has for Christ. Discipleship then is not something we drift into. It is something that people actively thoughtfully, deliberately choose to do or not to do. In other words, discipleship is an act of the will. To love Jesus and His Word more than the prevailing lords of our day which demand our allegiance is not something we drift into. It is something we deliberately choose to do. That's the first thing. Secondly, discipleship is costly. When Jesus said, Carry your cross, he wasn't just inviting the crowds to do as he said, but to do as he did. When Jesus was condemned to die, he did not simply have nails driven through his hands and his feet as he hung upon the cross. But before that, he was required to carry the very instrument of his death all the way from the place of trial to the place of execution. Can you get any more graphic than this? Those, Jesus says, who choose to be my disciple must not simply be prepared to die for me, but choose to live a life of dying to self for me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once wrote, come and die to those who were prepared to follow Jesus in Nazi Germany. And that's right. Discipleship is costly. The the pastoral team were just talking about this very thing at our staff meeting on Tuesday in relation to our young people. Increasingly, Our teenagers in this generation are having to make clear and stark choices very early in life Jesus' way or secular society's way, the narrow way that few take or the broad way that many choose. And that's not easy, it's costly. And it's not just young people, but parents too that have to make these difficult choices respect for life, the sanctity of human life, or the stampede for abortion and demand, personal sexuality and purity or permissiveness, worship first or Sunday morning sport and work. These are real, profound issues for any Christian adult. And the choices Christians make early in life will most certainly affect the choices later in life as well. Discipleship is something ple- people choose to do. Discipleship is costly. Point number three discipleship determines the entire direction and focus of our lives. Jesus knew, and experience shows that countless followers of Jesus fail to achieve for God their potential because they have heeded the voices of their family more than they have obeyed the voice of Christ. It's often said that marrying someone either doubles or halves effective Christian service. And some Christian people knowing that have specifically chosen singleness in preference to disobedience, and we have to admire that. How many lads, I wonder, have failed to go into full-time Christian ministry because their dads have pressurized them to go out and make money instead? How many young women have failed to follow their calling to serve overseas because their mums have blackmailed them to look after them in their old age? The only permission God's people need to be a disciple is mine, says Jesus. Your dad is not your ruler. Only your Father God in heaven holds that place of authority in your life. Discipleship determines the entire direction and focus of your lives. Helen, I I hope you don't mind if I single you out this morning. We're delighted that you are here. And today you stand before us as one worthy of our honor and our Father's praise. Thank you for the example that you give to us of a life of costly discipleship, service and obedience. That is inspirational, where people love the Lord even more than they love their home. But there's one other point which I must make before we conclude, and it is this, that a low discipleship is indeed costly, Please know that discipleship is also liberating. The story is told about a man who chose to follow Jesus, and on reading this parable realized that Christ was calling him not to uh, a life of conformity, but a life of surrender, not to deny himself sweets, but self. Lord, he said, what is it that you want me to give up for you? And the Lord replied, well, what do you have? Well, he said, I have some money. Okay, give that up to me and let me be in charge of your finances. Now what? Well, I have a business. Can you give that to me as well? Do you have a house? Well, I'd like to take possession of that too and your laptop, and your phones, and your possessions, and your things. And if you want to follow me, I want to have your marriage, and your children, and your hopes, and your dreams. And overwhelmed by the fact that God had already given up everything for him, the man placed these things on the altar before the Lord, his bank account his stocks and shares, his work and his home, his toys and his car, his wife and his kids. Lord, he said, all these things are yours. And the Lord replied, thank you, I accept them. Now can I lend them back to you for the time being? Will you look after them for me and come and follow me? When we choose to follow Jesus, discipleship is liberating because no longer am I under the burden of me being in charge of things that I cannot keep. No longer do I have to control events or other people, but he will. No longer do I have to seek the approval of other human beings, but surrender all that I am and all that I have to him. Some while ago, some of you may remember that we talked about obedience to God, even though it may seem hard at the time. And the presenting issue on that occasion was whether or not Christian parents would give in to the pressure of Sunday birthday parties, even though they might impinge on worship and lunch and family time. For parents to say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, that can cost… But there was a P.S. to that story, and with the permission of the family here uh, concerned, I now share with you this for your encouragement. After that sermon and having determined to choose obedience over popularity, when the next invitation came for a Sunday party, having talked it over with their children, the family politely declined the invitation to the Sunday party indicating that it was their day of worship. That was costly, particularly for their oldest son. But when the birthday boy realized his friend couldn't come on that day, the family whose birthday it was rearranged the party date so that instead of it being on a Sunday, they held it on another day. How good is that? Not only did unexpected joy come out of it for the obedient boy, but there was blessing too for the other kids. Now, I'm not suggesting for one minute that discipleship is always rewarded in that way. But often I am suggesting that Christian people never know the kindness of God because they aren't prepared to trust Him in the first instance for themselves or for their children discipleship is a choice. Discipleship is costly. Discipleship determines the entire direction and focus of our lives. But please also know, discipleship is liberating because it frees us from the tyranny of ourselves and sets us on an adventure of faith. I realize that for some here this morning, this teaching may be too much, too off-putting, far too demanding. It was in Jesus' day. But for others of you here this morning, this is exactly what you have been waiting to hear, a message that is challenging and a calling that is worthwhile. Salt is good, says Jesus. But if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's fit neither for the soil nor for the manure heap. It's thrown out. The man and the woman who has ears to hear. Let them hear. Let's pray together. in our prayers, we pray for people in parts of the world where being a disciple of Jesus is not simply uncomfortable, but life threatening. Gracious Lord, your word plainly teaches that there is a cost to follow Jesus, but our hearts go out to believers where to openly confess your name is to invite persecution, North Korea, many countries in the Islamic world, and increasingly in India and Pakistan. We pray for Christians incarcerated for their faith, people condemned to labor, prison camps, those who have to watch their children experience suffering for the sake of the gospel, and ask that in such contexts, the Holy Spirit would comfort, strengthen, encourage, and enable them to cope and in a very particular way to know your supernatural power. Heavenly Father, in our brief moments of trial and trouble, enable us to be mindful of those who are faithful to Christ and to count it joy to be worthy of his name. We pray for those who are in public life and those responsible for public policy. And ask that in their public roles, they would not be afraid to be faithful to your word, even when it is not the popular way. We pray for families and children called upon to be obedient. And pray that through godly choices, they would know the liberating joy of following the Lord Jesus. We pray this week for the General Assembly incoming moderator Charles McMullen, for the issues to be discussed and the matters decided, for Rico Tice as he speaks at the Times of Worship, and for Johnny Bell at Youth Night, and pray that encouraged and enabled our church may be faithful to you and your word. And finally in the quietness we bring before Almighty God the people and situations which weigh upon our hearts and entrust them into your most generous keeping and care. And all we ask is for the glory of our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ.